3: Sports Radio. Hope you're great. Getting ready. What a big sports weekend. Um, I do. I do actually want to talk about the potential disaster that is the Major League Baseball playoffs. I'll get to that upcoming in the show. We got a great show for you, man. Really good. Um, John McCall will join us in 25 minutes. I'll ask him about Urban Meyer. I'll ask him about Joe Burrow. I'll ask him about Brady versus Belichick. Uh, we got a lot to get to. Let me start with this. <laughs> in the look, it's the first year, and it's one of those things where, with Trevor Lawrence, you look at the interceptions and some of the uneven play from his team, and you you want to you want to make a definitive: he's as good as we thought, or not as good as we thought. But the truth is, like, go back and look at. Troy Aikman's first year was awful. Peyton Manning's first year was awful. These are Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Like, you could kind of go through it. Um, other quarterbacks, Vince Young had an outstanding first year on a better team, but made the playoffs in his first year and was a substitute election to the Pro Bowl. Like, it, 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 does, it doesn't always correlate to a great career. Jared Goff's first year was awful. Andrew Luck's first year was outstanding. So it's, it's really hard but but i i do i want to make sure that that this is understood okay there is a there is a difference in college and pro and you guys all know it and i i think what we assume and it's true is that it's 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 harder it, it but why is it harder my um by my estimation okay and this is me talking but also with the use of of talking to other people in sports and just a knowledge of how it works. I tell coaches all the time, like I wouldn't leave college football now. um, All of my friends who have done the college thing and do the pro thing. They all tell you once you're in with the pros you're in, you'll never go back. You're in big cities with nice hotels. The organizations are not only incredibly well-funded, but like everything is done first class. Like, Brad Stevens, he ain't never going back. I don't think. I just, I don't see it. Why would he go back? You know, yes, he got kicked upstairs to running the Boston Celtics. If he wants another job to be a head coach, you can get another job as a head coach. One, you make a lot more money. But two, you don't have to recruit. You don't have the offseason. But there's a downside to every upside. And the downside is for Urban Meyer, who just looked... He looked like he was in pain last night. He looked like he was in agony. He looked like, what am I doing here? Especially in the state of Ohio, where his name carries such respect. You know, it wasn't just Ohio State. Remember, Bowling Green, he also had that thing rolling. Urban Meyer said this about how tough the loss was.
2: That was devastating, heartbreaking. Usually I'm not wrong about stuff like that, that I, I just see a good team in there. I see good guys, good hearts. I see guys at work, and I told him, I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong about that stuff. And this team's going to win some games.
3: Uh here's Urban on Trevor Lawrence's game.
2: Yeah, I thought Trevor played really well. Obviously his best game. Took care of the ball, right? I don't Was there a turnover? Did we have a turnover? Gosh. Oh, but yeah, I thought he played great. You know, he's he's coming alive and I just like the way we love everything about that guy.
3: Yeah, you know, look, they're up 14-0 at the half. And you had to think that 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 halftime was holy crap, we can win this thing, right? Holy cow, we can win this thing. But ultimately, they get exposed and they lose 24-21. See, the thing about college is if you take a good job and you get it going right, you have better players than the other team nine times in 10. It wasn't always the case at Bowling Green. It wasn't always the case at, at Utah. Although when he was at Utah, that was a better job than most of the league. When he's at Florida, it was the case. When he's at Ohio State, it was the case. You have better players. Like you can win this. If you got better players. You can win this. And you and you know how to coach coach ball, and you can get guys disciplined and buying in and all those other things. You can make it work. In the NFL, everybody's got great players. Everybody. Like, you have the number one overall pick at quarterback. That's awesome. You know what the Bengals have? They had the number one overall pick at quarterback. You had a guy who won a national championship as a starting quarterback. You know what they have? A guy who's won a national championship as a starting quarterback. (laughs) You know? I mean, whether you like Joe Mixon or don't like Joe Mixon, what happened before he played a game at Oklahoma, that guy's a stud football player. right? And meanwhile, in Jacksonville, obviously Travis ATN Travis was there. Uh, was their first round draft pick? He's out for the year. But the point is that anything you have, they have as good or they have better. And it's not like you can go and sign a big recruiting class. Or like if you're in college right now, it's your first year. Like all right, well, we got a big recruiting class coming in. We'll get some transfers. We'll be better next year. Eventually, we'll have better players than everybody else. That 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 is not the case. Because even when you do have better players, that, that is fleeting because it does not last for long. Whether it's injuries or guys wanting more money and the salary cap, it, it evens out. There's a reason that, I mean, like, look, the Steelers have never had a losing season under Mike Tomlin. They're in last place. Kansas City Chiefs have star players. They're in last place. The New York Giants, you remember about five years ago when they drafted, you know, four years ago when they drafted Saquon Barkley? Remember what people said, why they had to take quarterback? Because they never drafted in the top five. You know what's happened since? Drafting in the top five. The point is that this thing is hard. Winning in the pros is hard, especially when you, that's not that you don't have the same players, as everybody else, you don't have as good a player as everybody else. In a sport where everything's decided by one or two guys being better than the other teams, one or two guys, you're not even at that starting line where you can legitimately compete Man for man, you know, you kind of have a mishmash of a staff. You have a mishmash of a team. It's just year one. Do I, do I think Urban is, it it, uh, likes it. I actually think he probably loves it. He's probably energized by the, the bottoming out. He's probably energized by the idea to build it and by the vision still, but it is a painful process in between, in between. I think I liken it to, and I've started going back to a chiropractor. You guys ever do chiropractor thing? And look, I know there's chiropractors who listen. I don't see you guys as doctors. Like if I'm choking on a plane or having some sort of heart palpitations, it's not like somebody goes, is there a doctor in the house? And a chiropractor hops up and goes, yes. What's he need, right? That's not, but if you need a chiropractor, man, next to a, next to an emergency physician, you got a you got to rib out. You got a a crick in your neck. You got something going on. You need one. But like even when you're trying to go get something fixed in your back or in your neck, right? What do they do? I mean, forget the x-rays and the, we got to put you on a program. They, they pop you up, they line you up and then they tell you, Hey, you got to ice it because what happens is your neck or your back's going to slip right back in. And it's a process of getting it right every day and the muscles adjusting. So it holds it in place, Right but it, the in between when the bones slip out and revert back it is super super painful that's what Jacksonville's going through that there are moments of growth and then there are times in which times in which they they go back to how they were that's how it is and i got to tell you uh, i think that that if he can get through the process of the losing, through the pain of the losing, they got a chance to be pretty good. I don't know if, no matter how positive he is, how long it can last before a guy like that breaks. When you only won, losing beats you up way worse than anything else. Uh, personal experience. I was at Notre Dame my freshman year. I'd never been on a losing basketball team Ever. Ever ever my 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 AAU teams we might not we didn't win every championship but we always got to like the quarters of the semis my high school team we didn't win a state championship we got to the finals two of the four years I was there and we always finished first or second league like I was the other day we were nine and 17 when you're not used to that do you know how that affects you emotionally it's so hard and then there is no quick fix In the NFL, you got to let young guys play and grow and hope you pick the right ones and then pick some new ones next year and hold on to the right guys and keep an eye on the salary cap and extend the right guy. Like, it is really, really, really
5: difficult.
6: Be sure to catch the live edition of The Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays
5: at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio
1: app. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip.
3: Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. You guys familiar with the law of unintended consequences? You know, uh, Jay Stu. Can, can you tell me the law of unintended consequences?
5: Um, when you do something that it has like ripple effects and impacts people and things that you do not intend.
3: Uh, wait, one more time. Sorry, I I, I didn't totally understand.
5: It's my understanding that when something is done that has, like, ripple effects that no one could foresee that impacts other people or things, right?
3: Uh, yes, it's the—yes, it's the—that's yes, the, that, basically it. That's, that's basically it, you know? Um, the law of unintended consequences is—I mean, basically you explained it—is um, something that I almost—I I, I I almost study— right it's the it's do you play chess i love chess okay so the unintended consequence is basically when you make a chess move everybody thinks i call it like in linear vacuum fashion right like knight takes rook or whatever and the way in which you have to see not just all of the other moves who could take you but how it changes the whole chess board Right? Purposeful action has intended consequences, foreseeable consequences. There can be an unexpected benefit. There can be an unexpected drawback. Uh, unintended consequences are not always negative. Although when we say unintended consequences, generally it re, it it falls back on something that's negative. Um, I think baseball had the best intentions at heart when they. Expanded the playoffs and they had, you know, another play in game. I think the intentions were um, on the surface level to get more teams engaged at the end of the season. That's worked. To make it more um, prohibitive or harder for wild card teams to reach the World Series. I think that's going to work, right? Because what happens is you. Expend so much energy getting into the playoffs or getting into the play-in game, then in the one-game play-in, you're going to pitch your best pitcher, which, which takes away the ability to have that guy usually pitch twice in your divisional series. Like, Max Scherzer is going to have to pitch for the Dodgers. That makes it increasingly difficult for Max Scherzer to pitch twice for the Dodgers in the DS if they even win the wild card, Right. And then I think another intended consequence was, look, baseball's ratings have been, you know, really since 2000, wildly dependent upon two teams that are national brands getting into the playoffs. Bayer, you want to venture a guess who those two teams are? Ramos, you want to venture a guess who those two teams are? When they're they're in, the ratings are up.
4: One, uh, the Yankees, yes, you won, and oh. the Red Sox,
3: yes, yes, that's it. Look, the Dodgers do well, but they play in L.A. and it, you, you lose the East Coast audience. The Yankees and the Red Sox—is the rivalry what it used to be? No, no. I mean, you can thank the Red Sox for finally figuring out how to win baseball games for that. But I think the intended consequences were to make it more difficult for the wildcard teams to win the whole thing, to engage more teams at the end of the season, and frankly to get teams like the Red Sox and the Yankees both into the playoffs so that they're both on, a, on your TV set so that you, uh, you're more likely to watch the playoffs. How's that all working out for you? You guys been paying attention to this baseball stuff?
4: Well, the Yankees and Red Sox. are Yankees are in, I think. Well, they're in the wild card. The Red Sox are battling with what? The Mariners and the Blue
3: Jays, correct? Correct. Um, The Red Sox and Mariners are currently tied at 89 and 70. And the Red Sox, it's not just that they're losing. They've lost to the Orioles. (laughs) I have 107 (laughs) losses on the year, right? Like, oh, you can't lose to the Orioles. Well... They lost two out of three to the Orioles after getting, I believe, swept by the Yankees in a previous series. Now they have the Washington Nationals. But again, here's another part of baseball which just sucks. Because you have 15 in the AL and 15 in the NL, you have interleague every series. There used to be special interleague series. Now you have a, So there's only one interleague series every time you have a series. In this particular case, they play the Washington Nationals on the road, they stay in that uh, in that Mid Atlantic region. I mean, I guess the good news is the Washington Nationals stink. The bad news is, well, so did the Orioles, and they just lost to them. But we're precariously close to the Yankees and the Red Sox. The Red Sox not being in the playoffs, it is more difficult for those wild card teams. But do you want to make it more difficult for the Dodgers who are going to win 105 games? I want you to think about this for a second? There is a scenario out there where the Red Sox don't make the playoffs. The Yankees and Dodgers lose in the wild card. And baseball's ratings are, like, so so low, it's embarrassing. It's very much a possibility. I mean, even if the Dodgers win, they lose Scherzer, with the exception of probably one game in the DS. Um. But I and, and the Yankees are no lock to come out of come out of the wild card anyway. But you think about that—you got a hundred and five win team that's going to play in a one game scenario, and then you might not have the Red Sox in at all. And baseball, they, you can't cheat it. You can't like look at the Red Sox can't get in when you got five teams in the ALN. That's on the Red Sox, but still, yikes! Yes, uh, John. Ross.
4: A quick question I would have for you, and maybe you haven't thought about it too much: Is is there an answer to this problem? I mean, it's, you know, Jason Stewart and I were talking about this before the show started about, you know, it's it's nice to get mad and say, well, you're going to knock out the 101 team, win team, hundred whatever. But but is there an answer to the question? That's always a good thing to have is do we have a, a, an answer to how this can be fixed?
3: Yes. Okay. Yes, you go based upon record. You know, you even out the schedules, I believe is probably the, you know, you even out the schedules. Would, would be the first thing. And then if you even out the schedules in terms of in the AL, you play the same, you try and play the same teams, the same number of times, whatever. It's still never going to be fully even. But, uh, but the, the big thing is you, you go based upon record would be my thing. And, and to somebody who's like, well, you can't do, why can't you do that? All of this stuff is made up anyway. You know, if you win your division, you're automatically in. You're just not necessarily in. You play in the wild card round. I don't I don't know I don't know how you I mean that's the only way to remedy it, which remember they had before where uh where wildcard teams got to play full series, but those wild card teams got to the world series and sometimes won the world series. And so because of it, this is what we've done. But there is it this is the unintended consequence of having the wildcard thing where it's a one game play in. It's very exciting, but much like the NCAA tournament, sometimes Duke gets beat. Sometimes Kentucky gets beat. And when they do, the ratings suffer. Wayno coming back for another year, and he's going to pitch obviously in the wildcard. Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. John Middlecoff joined just to announced the 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 podcast. I was talking about baseball, which we never talk about, but the all the unintended consequences of the wildcard playing. Now you're going to have probably the Yankees. Uh, maybe not play the Red Sox, right? The whole idea is get the Yankees and the Red Sox in. Now you might not have the Red Sox. The Yankees might get bounced in that wild card. Dodgers might get bounced. If it were you, is 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 football the best playoff setup? Like, how would you how would
5: you do it?
6: Yeah, I mean, I, I've been to a lot of big playoff games here in San Francisco over the years, when Bochy and Blimcum and all those guys. It's pretty incredible atmosphere. The difference of going to like I went to the year Shanahan made the Super Bowl. I went to the playoff game against Minnesota. You know, if you go to a good Monday night game or a good Sunday night game, definitely on the West Coast, on the East Coast, the game start a little later so that it gets dark in the afternoon. It always feels big at a football game because it's just that game, you win or lose, it just has a huge impact. In baseball, the playoff games are incredible. The one gamers are awesome. But to me, like game three or four, when you know if the series 2-1 you know, it's not quite make or break. Like you go to, I went to Game Seven the year LeBron beat the Warriors at Oracle. I mean, that, that felt like an NFL. I mean, it's just any time to me, the game ends your season. Uh, it just has a little more impact in the building, and that takes nothing away. I mean, playoff baseball is awesome, but there's a reason Game Seven just feels a little bigger than Game Four.
3: Does uh does Urban Meyer know what he's doing?
6: Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, his resume speaks for itself, but football, despite probably running the same plays that he would run if he was the head coach at Ohio State, right, or similar concepts, right, you run a zone scheme, you run a gap scheme, you run a 3-4, run a 4-3, there are dramatic differences dealing with someone who's 20 years old and someone who's, I was texting, I mean, technically a DM with a player who's older than me, I'm 36, and who has like four kids the other day. Now, he doesn't play for Urban Meyer, but if he did, like, do you think that guy wants to get screamed at? You know? And I'm not saying Urban's screaming at everyone, but it can be a difficult transition. But the thing that I found, Doug, last night, just watching the game, it's not like I'm locked into the Jaguars coaching staff. Besides, I knew Bevel was their offensive coordinator. I just looked up their defensive staff. I mean, they have a, a first time defensive coordinator who's 53 years old. Uh, the, their second, you know, the assistant head coach is Charlie Strong who, you know, has a long resume in college football. He has never coached a day in his life in the pros. And he's he's 61 years old. So Urban's coaching staff, to me, if you look at some of those, obviously the years at Florida, Dan Mullen, who's, you know, a stud head coach, uh, some of those staffs that he had at Ohio State, I mean, Herman, you know, guys like that, they were really good at the college level, especially, you know, for coordinators. I don't know if he has a great coaching staff. Like your coaching staff in the pros especially if you are a quote-unquote CEO head coach, which he is, is pretty important, and I just don't really see it.
3: Uh, Joe Burrow, where are you on Joe Burrow now, year two off the ACL?
6: Yeah, I mean, he's my favorite type player. Uh, You know, I, I like having a little more arm strength, but to me I live with it because he's just an incredible playmaker. You know, he's just one of those guys that has just incredible feel for the position, always under control, And let's face it, there were reports that, you know, around the draft, it was between Panay Sewell and Jamar Chase. And and Burrow was like a scout pounding the table for Jamar Chase. And while it didn't go well in August, he couldn't catch anything, he looks pretty sweet now. I mean, that that guy's pretty swagged out, and he's balling right now. He's got four touchdowns through, you know, four games. And you just look at him, you're like, oh, yeah, that's a pro. And clearly some guys, like, you know, I imagine as a point guard when you play with someone, I do think as a quarterback sometimes, now obviously really good players, most quarterbacks can be able to play with, but some guys just have a better connection with certain players, right? You see it with Gronkowski and Brady. You see it right now with Devontae Adams and Aaron. Like, their connection is just on kind of a higher level, even though they're both individually, you know, elite players. I think you see that with Burrow and Chase. Like, they might just be made for each other, and clearly, to be 3-1, I don't care who they've played. That's pretty impressive, you know, for a team that isn't that talented and your quarterback, like you said, is com- I don't think he's a year removed from the, when he got his leg snapped.
3: No, he's not. And, you know, we, both he and Chase were struggling with confidence and different levels in the preseason, and that, that, that seems to have gone away. I, I, I like what they're doing. I mean, their defense was an abject disaster two years ago, three years ago. It, it's not bad now. Like, I kind of think they're doing some nice things there.
6: You know, the Bengals, sneaky, especially with Marvin Lewis, always drafted pretty well. But because yeah. kind of a smaller market and everyone makes fun of the owner, they never truly got the credit. I had someone, just a random fan, DM me the other day on Instagram and was like, you know, why do the Bengals get treated like the Browns and the Raiders when you look at our history over the last 15 years? We've won the division several times. we made the playoffs a bunch. I'm like, yeah, you know, probably is a little unfair. <laughs> you know, Now it looks like they have – there were some players making plays last night that I had to look up. There would be like a. They have a linebacker number 55 who they drafted last year uh, in the third round, a kid out of Wyoming. I, I'd never really heard of. You know, he's a Mountain West, you know, all Mountain West type player, and he was just making plays. They they just they just have solid players on top of if, you, if Joe Burrow turns out to be a Pro Bowl-level guy, which it sure looks like he has the opportunity, that they're going to be in pretty good shape.
3: No, what they did with Marvin Lewis was, and even before Marvin Lewis, they, they would take guys like, you know, Ray Luga who were seen as first-round talents but had some sort of baggage, you know. Exactly. Uh, was it Mike Johnson? Michael Johnson? Was at Georgia Tech? Was another guy like that, right? Where they would... I mean, even Joe Mixon, who they, they took, right? Joe Mixon, because of the baggage when he first arrived at, at Oklahoma. They've been able to uh, do a great job on, on those type of guys and when they when they hit uh they, they they have they have good football teams. Um who deserves more credit, Brady or Belichick?
6: Yeah to me it's, it's a fifty fifty deal. Like I, I it's easy to say Brady now, but we all live through the incredible coaching moves by Belichick over the years. The incredible trades for a player that was you know I can't believe they're getting rid of this guy. He was tended to be always right, and I, I know you can nitpick him his drafts. I mean the drafts last couple of years have been questionable, but like I, I we all had a front row seat. You know I, I know we're just so living in the present and we we forget what happened five years ago, let alone fifteen twenty years ago. But to me, Belichick's the modern day Bill Walsh, even at a higher level. And now Brady, same thing. Like to me, I, I have no problem saying they couldn't have done it without each other because even like the the second iteration of Brady, when he basically turned into the better version of, like, Peyton Manning, you know, from, like, 10 to what he's doing right now. So, two of those Super Bowls, he was awesome, right? The 28-3, he turned it on. He carried him. The, the one where they beat the Rams, like, last time I checked, wasn't the final score 13-3? to <laughs> I mean, isn't, isn't Belichick kind of the mastermind behind the defensive schematics, even though he's not, quote-unquote, the defensive coordinator? Like, that's, that was a pretty good game plan against Sean McVay and the Rams.
3: Uh, and by the way, if you ask Sean McVay, he will tell you that he outcoached him. I mean, he'll tell you in private, he'll tell you in public. He's like, you know, they gave us one look in the first half, then they had an injury. They gave us a completely different look in the second half. And we, it, you know, by the time we got to figure out the first look, we were screwed in the second look. Right. Right. That was that was. Him. by the way, just one thing on Cincinnati, I always found it funny that they play in Paul Brown Stadium. Right. The Browns are in Cleveland, but. Cincinnati plays in Paul Brown Stadium. I understand all the history to it. I'm, that's not what I'm getting at. Anyway, Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio. Um, Mac Jones struggled last week. Where are you now on Mac Jones that we've seen him have a bad game as a starter?
6: Yeah, to me, he just kind of is what he is. You know, he was a guy that was quote-unquote pro-ready because his knowledge and understanding of like handling pro-level concepts, because that's what they did at Alabama, the way he could go through progressions that other quarterbacks in the class besides Trevor Lawrence probably couldn't do at that level at 21 years old. But physically, he lacks some skills. Doesn't have a great arm. Not can't really move that well uh is wouldn't be considered you know I, I don't view him as like an athletic quarterback relative to the, some of the guys in the NFL. Now they had a drop that turned into a pick, but like he just kind of is what he is, and he's going to be very dependent, like he was at Alabama, on elite dudes around him. And last time I checked, like Kendrick Bourne, who I like, who was on the Niners, is a solid player. It's like their best wide receiver, you know. And I think Belichick for the first time, and even Kraft when they bought all these players was like, yeah, I mean, ideally we wouldn't have to do this, but, you know, we haven't drafted that well. That's not really Belichick style. And I think in football, definitely more than basketball or baseball, it's the hardest sport to plug and play. So even when you sign really, really good players, a lot of them, it it can be a transition, especially offense, new concepts, new terminology. There's just a lot going on. And I think you're seeing early on, like, it looked really good on paper, all the guys they signed, but some of the guys on offense don't quite look as good as they did on their previous team. Defensively, like Judon, you can put them down over the tackle and say rush the passer. It's a little easier, but like a tight end, you know, I, I'm sure the, you know, all we've heard for decades, right, is how complex the Patriot offensive playbook is. It's difficult, and I, it's clearly not everyone's on the same page.
3: Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox sports radio. How big in your mind was that win for the Packers uh, in Santa Clara against the Niners?
6: Yeah, I think it was massive. I actually think, and I talked about this on the podcast is that Rodgers. everyone wanted to make a big deal after the first week. And that was fair. Right. Cause how weird everything was all the off season. And I was like, you know, I'm just hesitant to act like they just, they're going to be terrible now because he was in Hawaii with some actors. And the last two weeks, I mean, to me, he looks identical as he did last year. Like, I'm the best player in the country right now. I can do whatever I want, and I can dominate whoever I want. As long as as long as long 17's on the field, we are going to eviscerate people. And, like, it's not like the Niners are bad on defense. They're not the 85 Bears or anything, but they're pretty solid, and he made them look pretty foolish. Because right now, to me, he got his mojo back a little against the Lions, and in that game, he was basically flawless. I mean, I, I just think that... When the death settles, he's gonna be right there for the MVP again in the Packers. As long as again, as long as Devontae stays on the field, because they're very, you know, he dictates their offense because of their wide receivers are so iffy. Those guys are just on a completely different level. And the rules, and, and Rodgers has talked about this. You know, the rules are in Aaron and Tom's favor, right? They were good back when you could really hit people. Well, now that you can't, they're just they're gonna they're gonna dominate. And he's pretty dialed in. I thought he looked awesome.
3: I I I thought so too. Um, it, it's pretty remarkable. I do find it interesting though that he's like calling out people for what they said week one. Like, look, you can look great in week three and still admit your body language was bad and you, you just everything was awful week one. I I don't yeah, understand they, why they he won't. Thirty
6: eight a- to six or something. I mean, what did they expect people to say? Like, good good effort.
3: I don't know. I don't, I don't understand. I I know that
6: he, he's edgy, you know? No.
3: And he's, he got that Jordan thing where he's trying to like almost create enemies. What do you do if you're Pittsburgh?
6: Uh, just try to get to 2022 and then just, you know, convey the landscape of how you upgrade that position and cut Ben, unless he just retires on his own, which I mean, if this thing keeps going, he threw a pick last week, Doug, you know, the little one where the guy was right in front of him against the Bengals the guy that he was throwing to had two bangles in front of
3: him. That was... So it was
6: you...
3: I, and, I mean, you know, like, look, the fourth and ten where he dumps it off out in the flat to his running back to Najee Harris, like, the problem with that one isn't the play call, it's that he... He didn't even read the defense right. Like, he thought they were coming after him. They weren't. And so he, he drops it off to his running back, and the running back's got nowhere to go. It's Again, it's, I, people are going to think because he's old, it's the arm strength and the movement. That's only part of it. It's also, he's not reading things right. and He's actually reading things completely wrong.
6: Yeah, it's crazy. I, I, I just think physically, he shot relative to what he was in his peak. And it's very, very – it's impossible for him to adapt, you know, and play that Peyton Manning, Tom Brady style of football because that's not his style of football sitting in the pocket and picking you apart, and he can't be a playmaker anymore. And his offensive line's not very good, so they can't just rely on the run game. I think ideally if you could just – could you function with a really good defense? I think T.J. Watts coming back this week, and he's – I mean, that's a pretty big curveball for them. He's, you know, one of the two or three best pass rushers in the league – they have to play a lead defense and they have to run the ball. The problem is they're not going to be able to run the ball. So then he ends up just throwing to Naj. I mean, Najee had like 30 touches last week. I think 15 or 16 of them were catches. You know, and when that just means he's dumping it to them. But they're down. You know, they're down double digits. He's not trying to do Tom Brady where he just hits Deion Lewis or. You know, one of those little running backs and just move the ball down the field. They're trying to drive because they're down a couple scores, and that's the only option that he can do. Because he, I think he's just kind of lost right now.
3: He's really, really, really lost. He's not kind of lost. He's really lost. And it's
6: their, t- their team's in trouble, especially if the Bengals are going to be solid. I mean, they, I, I, I don't know if they're a playoff team, and I, I would have thought they were a locked playoff team before the season, even wondering if Ben had much left. But I. After that Bengal game, I don't know, man. I might be, I might be out on them. Uh,
3: I'm, I'm with you. Um, okay, H- help me out here. Was Mike McCarthy always this bad with the clock?
6: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Rodgers thought he was pretty terrible the last couple of years as a head coach. I just watch that team, and I go, what is he really doing? You know, his really his only role would be the clock and the timeouts, right? Game management because. He has nothing to do with the defense. We we learned that last year. It's whether it's Nolan or now Dan Quinn. The offense, as Stephen Jones mentioned, is Kellen Moore's baby. Uh, the special teams, you know, Fossil's is one of the highest paid special teams coaches in the league. McCarthy has one job, and you know it's clearly not something he's that comfortable with. But I, you know, at the end of the day, that timeout at the you know against the Eagles isn't that big a deal. But what happens when you're playing? This week, you're playing Carolina, a good team, or you play Tampa, or you play someone in the playoffs, and that the game's tied, and you're not just going to roll them. I, I don't know, man. I, to me, you know, Stephen Jones hit on it, like Kellen Moore's going to be head coach. Just name Kellen Moore the head coach after this season. Well, I, I don't understand what's the point of even having Mike around.
3: I, it's, it's so bad. Like it, It's one thing for it to happen once, to happen two weeks in a row. And, I mean, it's just...
6: You, you agree, though. If Kellen, if Kellen Moore is going to be this guy that's going to get all these jobs, and he's the offensive, you know, mind behind this whole operation, they're an offensive team. We've seen this before. Remember, Sean Payton was an assistant coach, and everyone, right. the Giants and the, and the Cowboys regretted it. And, you know, the Falcons, you don't think they would have rather had just kept Kyle Shanahan, got rid of Dan Quinn. When you know it, and the head coach is not the play caller anymore, even though, you know, he, he in theory, he's an offensive guy. But, uh I, I I would just, I would just pull the trigger at the end of the season. The problem. What did I mean, he spend the? I don't understand what he
3: spent the year off doing. Like he tried um, to. I spent the nothing.
6: Inviting Peter King to write articles about him. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know? Yes. Here's a bunch
3: of my assistant coaches. We're watching film. We will learn nothing from it at all. I mean, that was, that was, that was amazing. Uh, the podcast is always out. Three and Out is the podcast. John Middlecoff, it's awesome. I think he's over 2 million downloads an episode, which is crazy, crazy, crazy. That's why he's, he's actually calling us from his bathtub where he's swimming in money. Uh, JM, thanks for joining us, dude.
6: Thanks, bro. Take it easy. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific.
5: Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio.
3: Every day at this time, we'll get you caught up on the news of the day with a game.
2: Game time! This
3: is game time.
2: It's game time.
6: On the Doug Gottlieb show.
2: Dan Beyer, you're going to do a game called Psychic. Well, let's see. Oh, all the, well, the game today is. All right, it's also a step ahead of me. Psychic, Psychic, who will end up being the starting quarterback for the Bears on Sunday against Bears. the Lions?
3: Bears. Uh, Nick Foles, Foles, Ooh. Nick Foles. Foles.
2: Foles was brought into the equation. Uh, he,
3: I, I'm gonna give you a little, little inside the Bears uh tidbit here. Okay, inside the Bears tidbit. You'll know who's calling plays based upon one thing. Okay, one thing. Percentage of time the quarterback is under center. Uh it's a big break between Bill Lazor and and uh, Matt Nagy. Nagy wants him out of the shotgun. Laser has worked. They've been working with these quarterbacks uh, under center the entire time since May. So um, I think you'll see Foles. I think you see him in the
2: the full offense. Things seem to be going well in Chicago. Uh, Psychic, how many touchdown passes will Tom Brady throw against his former team, the Patriots, on Sunday night? All of them. All All of them. them. Every
3: touchdown pass.
2: All of them. Yes, all of them
3: hundreds hundreds I took a four.
2: guess. Uh, four. Uh, oh I took a guess on the I want your Flex podcast which uh dropped earlier today you can uh download that and hear my prediction psychic what signing this week will turn out to be well a better signing Richard Sherman and the Buccaneers or Josh Gordon and the Kansas City Chiefs
3: um I think Josh Gordon because
2: I think uh, Richard Sherman is washed all right psychic he can't run can't play Will the Mountain West expand now that Air Force and Colorado State are staying put?
3: Yes, they will. They will expand to the state of Texas. Ooh, what don't know about- if it's Rice and SMU or North Texas because they want an SMU because they want to stay and be in Dallas, but they will expand to Texas.
2: All right. Looking ahead to the college football showdowns this weekend, of these two matchups, which one's going to be the best to watch? Number eight Arkansas, number two Georgia, a number twelve Ole Miss at number one Alabama.
3: Oh, Ole Miss Alabama will be the better watch, I think.
2: Arkansas Georgia will be the better game. Mm, all right. And finally, psychic, who will win the National League West?
3: Ah, oh, the San Francisco baseball Giants. They already got a two game lead, and I think it's getting late early. Dodgers will be in the wild card. <coughs>
5: Game Game time. This
4: is game time on the Doug Gottlieb show. Do people know
3: that's why they call them the New York football giants? Because the New York giants used to be a baseball team there. Do do people know that? They're like, I didn't think of that. Yes, playing the polo grounds where it was like 500 feet to center field. It was crazy. And Oh yeah, by the way, it was actually right across the river from Yankee stadium. Now there's just some high rise towers, but you used to have the, the river in between no bridge in between. They would play in dueling stadiums. Kind of amazing. Uh, Bill Belichick gave credit where it was due. To the Lord Above or to Tom Brady? Find out next on The Doug Gottlieb Show.
1: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA.